WHMP. And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us this afternoon on the Afternoon Buzz. Hello, Brian Adams. Hey, Buzz. How are you? Well, I'm kind of excited. You have a, a guest who, uh, I know I'm supposed to be this impartial um, political observer, but in fact, one of my heroes in, in government. And uh, So who do you have for us we, today? We do have a hero in government, and I'm really honored to have Jim McGovern, the United States Congressman for the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, uh, with us. Uh, thank you so much, Jim, for joining us this afternoon. Well, Brian and Buzz, I'm happy to be with you. Uh, it, this is a pleasure. Congratulations on your stunning victory <laughs> in the uh, two days ago, I think it was, in the November election. Uh, and good luck, uh, no, in the November, in the, sep- in the September okay. primary, okay. and good luck in the... Uh, in the November election. Well, he did well against Mr. Blanks. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what? And that's a, that's a good sign because uh, sometimes, you know, you're in trouble when people want to blank you. So and, I, I feel I feel heartened by the fact that uh, my blanks were not that many. So Just to make sure everyone knows what the congressman is talking about, when people want to blank you, it means they've been, since you're uncontested, they just, you, t- you have to check off that blank box when you're counting ballots and and, um, and you don't want to get blanked you don't want to get blanked and and uh jim mcgovern did not had hardly any blanks uh everyone no matter how popular there are some people who are not going to write your name down sometimes because of name recognition they don't they don't know you but sometimes it's because they don't want to vote for you but uh jim you are a popular uh representative of the people and uh and we are Delighted to have you on. Jim, this is uh, harvest month here, and in my portion of the show, we're talking a lot about farms and agriculture. Last week, we had on uh, CISA, Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture. Next week, we have a farmer, um, Prospect Meadow Farm in Hatfield. The following week, Just Roots, and then on to a dairy farmer. So we want to begin with talking about uh, your role as a member of the United States House of Representatives Committee on Agriculture. You re- recently went on a tour of some of the farms in the valley and in your district here, and I was uh, watching video clips. It seemed like every clip had you eating some delectable morsel of a vegetable, <laughs> which I guess is one of the perks of the job, right? Um, can you talk about the role of the federal government in supporting uh, the small farms in our area? Well, th- well, thanks for the question. And, and you mentioned Just Roots. That was one of the stops I made during my uh, two-day farm tour in, in August. But look, um, you know, I, I got on the Agriculture Committee before I was redistricted out to, uh, you know, western Massachusetts. Um, and my district was primarily an urban and suburban district. Um, but I got on the Agriculture Committee because that is the committee that is responsible for overseeing, you know, uh, much of our food safety uh, net, including programs like SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And then with redistricting, I moved more out west, um, and now my district, the second district, has over 2,000 farms in it. And um, so I, I, I've been getting a tutorial in agriculture and farming in Massachusetts, uh, you know, for the last decade, and it's been amazing to me. And I've come to appreciate that farms and agriculture are an important part of Massachusetts' economy. I've also uh, come to appreciate that farmers in Massachusetts and indeed New England, you know, um, ha- have to be more than just farmers. I mean, they they have to be business people. They have to be entrepreneurs. They have to be public relations experts and grant writers and, uh, you know, you name it. Um, and that a lot of the farmers in Massachusetts that are not big agribusinesses sometimes have to diversify. Uh, and so uh, in my role on the Agriculture Committee, I focus a lot on making sure that there's uh, federal funds available to help our farms get the necessary equipment that they need to make adjustments and to, um, and to be able to diversify if that's what is necessary to keep them in business. I have uh, I've been a voice for farmers in New England uh, because there's a lot of voices for farmers in the Midwest and out West. And they, they, they have different challenges and they have different needs than, than we do here. I've also been a big advocate for conservation uh, uh, programs and, um, and, and focusing on the issue of, of climate change. Um, you know, I, I, in the last few years, every time I've done these farm tours, the first words out of the mouths of many of our farmers is climate change. Um, you know, I did a tour recently of uh, 
of, of uh, you know, maple sugar uh, shacks, uh, you know, all throughout my district. And I've learned a couple of things. One is that growing up, my mother never gave me real maple syrup. Um, and so I was denied that. But now I know what real maple syrup is. And then uh, secondly, you know, that the season for maple syrup is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And some are wondering whether or not these, you know, this, 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 this business of, of, of harvesting maple syrup is, that's been in their families for generations and generations can continue, you know. So uh, in any event, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to be a voice for, for the, the unique needs of, of New England. And, you know, maple trees, sugar maples being one of these iconic images of, of New England and could be one of the early casualties of climate change as the weather warms, they're, they, they could be gone. So appreciate your, your work on that. There is a, uh, a conference coming up in a couple weeks, uh, September 28th in Washington, D.C. The Biden-Harris administration will be hosting a White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. And I know you're one of the key players going forward in that conference. Can you talk about what you hope to accomplish there? Well, so the last time the White House ever did a conference on this topic was in 1969. I mean, that was the year we landed somebody on the moon. Um, and, um, and, you know, and what I've come to learn from my years in, in, in public life is that we have a hunger problem in this country. Um, you know, it got worse during the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, there were close to 40 million Americans that didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. And not only do we have a hunger problem, we have a nutrition insecurity problem, too. Uh, and by that, I mean that there are people who don't have access to some of the incredible foods that I was able to experience on some of our local farms uh, during my recent visit. Um, or they live in areas that are not near supermarkets. And so we call those food apartheids, where people don't have access to even nutritious foods. And... Um, you know, my two sisters are school teachers in Worcester, and uh, you know they tell me all the time about the kids who come to school on Mondays who haven't eaten all weekend, and then on Fridays are looking for food to bring home so they have something to eat over the weekend for them or their brothers and sisters or their parents or their grandparents. And I and I you know and I I just I, I think it's shameful that this exists in the United States, the richest country in the history of the world, and this is a solvable problem, and I say all the time that hunger is a political condition. We have the food, uh, we have the you know, resources, the money, the infrastructure, but we just don't have the political will. And so at that 1969 conference, you know, the modern-day SNAP program came out of that, the, the, the WIC program, Women's Infants and Children's program came out of that. So some good things came out of that conference. And I think we need to revisit the topic and we need to come up with a plan to end hunger once and for all, not to manage it, but to end it. And the reason why I wanted this conference, as opposed to, you know, just asking USDA to do something, is because to solve this problem requires more than just USDA um, or the Agriculture Committee. Uh, you want to you want to solve hunger and nutrition insecurity. You have to also address issues like wages. You have to address issues like housing. Um, you know, access to food, transportation issues fall into that. The cost of utility bills uh, cuts into our uh, our budget to be able to afford food. So we need a all of government approach, and we need to bring in the nonprofits. We need to bring in our farmers. We need to bring in our schools and our medical systems. You know, I, my growing up, my grandmother used to say, "An apple a day keeps the doctor away." It would annoy me. Uh, but I wish she was still alive, so I could say, "You were right." Because food is medicine, and yet our healthcare system is so divorced from nutrition. It's like sad. Um, and in our education system, in our schools, at some point, we all decided that agriculture, nutrition, and even how to prepare food, you know, is not necessary or essential to a good education. And we need to we need we need to change that trend. I mean, people need to start learning about nutrition or about how our, how things are grown. So we want, and we want to, so and we also want to bring the private sector uh, into this, and anyway, bring everybody in a room and say, "Here's the, here's what we're trying to solve. What can you all put on the table?" And that's what we expect from this hopeful come out of this White House conference. It's the intersectionality at its best. Uh, so many Absolutely. different players, and and such a tragedy. You said 40 million Americans going right. hungry, which is really you know, really just right. stunning. 
and we're the richest country in the history of the world. Right? It does I not mean, need to happen. On. It is a it no. is a political issue. Let's stay on this topic of uh, farms. Um, the new farm bill will be written next year, uh, and that mm-hmm. seems complicated at best. Uh, and I imagine you're going to be part of the writing of that farm bill. Um, what do you expect to see come out of that? Well, obviously, a lot's going to depend on what happens in the midterms, right? Um, you know, who's in charge will kind of have a heavier hand in in writing the bill. Um, and, um, you know, I would like to see, you know, obviously, uh, programs like SNAP uh, not only protected but enhanced. And I'd like to see a more recognition of the unique needs of small and medium-sized farms um, and, um, and finding ways to again, to, to provide more resources so that there's more land available for young farmers and new farmers, which I think is important. The other part of this is, is the climate crisis, which we mentioned already. I mean, is having, I mean, look, we have these, we, during my two-day tour, I mean, we, we heard about the drought that we're experiencing. Uh, but last year, it was the heavy rains. Um, and, um, you know, I'm learning about the fact that, you know, uh, Pests and um, you know uh, and 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 different kinds of uh, plant diseases that weren't common or even heard of in this region you know a decade ago are now all of a sudden you know appearing uh, because of the of the climate change so th- that needs to be a part of it as well but um, but I uh, you know I, you know, again my my fo- my focus is going to be on making sure that the unique needs of our farmers um, is not on the back burner. It's great to know, because when I think of the federal government's role in farming, I think of sort of the big industrial farms in the Midwest and in California getting all of the lion's share of federal dollars. So it's nice to know that we have an advocate for small farms in you and working on that. We're talking with Jim McGovern. Jim is the United States Congressman for the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts. Jim, when we come back, I'd like to talk about climate change and the Inflation Reduction Act and some of the work that you are doing on that. So stay with us, and we will be right back. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHFP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Some of the lowest income districts will actually be able to spend per student close to some of the highest districts, as it should be. You should not be underfunded because you happen to have been born in Holyoke or New New Bedford or Fall River. 1015, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you, until now. Now when you call, we'll answer, and if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. We'll see you at practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. 
Scammers are already trying to cash in on the government's student loan forgiveness program. The Better Business Bureau reports it has received reports of several different schemes. In most of them, scammers try to convince the borrower they must pay a fee to get relief. In another sign of a softening housing market, real estate broker Redfin reports the typical home sold in August at a price that was less than the listing price. That's a sharp reversal from 2021, when homes in many areas sold for well above the asking price and would-be buyers engaged in bidding wars. New car shoppers are often swayed by flashy technology, but a new survey of car owners finds some of the latest in-dash technology may not be ready for prime time. J.D. Power's latest survey found that 46% of vehicle owners reported at least one problem with the technology in their vehicles. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. We have the great honor this afternoon talking to Jim McGovern. He is the United States Congressman for the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts and represents most of our listening uh, audience. Uh, we've been talking about farming and agriculture and the congressman's um, work. Uh, on the Committee on Agriculture. And let's switch a little bit to climate change. We've mentioned it already. But in a bit of good news, uh, the House and Senate recently passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Biden signed that into law a few weeks ago. And it's an ambitious piece of climate legislation. I mean, it's hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, can you tell us your thoughts on some of the provisions in the in the climate portion of this act? Well, first of all, as you mentioned, it is a, a huge investment. Um, to combat climate change, the biggest investment in the history of our country ever, right? Over $300 billion in climate investments over the next 10 years. You know, it's going to reduce our overall emissions by 40% by 2030. It's going to keep us in the fight to reach net zero emissions, I think, no later than 2050. Um, and that's what, by the way, is what, what scientists are telling us is absolutely necessary to avoid the very, very worst impacts of global warming you know, by keeping warming to, to no more than about 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius. I mean, that's what we're, we're being told. Um, it, it also will make us a global leader uh, in, the, uh, in the fight uh, to address the climate crisis. I mean, because, you know, you can only go to so many conferences and say, oh, this is a real issue, and then, you know, uh, back home uh, actually put no real money into it uh, to make a difference. So now we, we, we have, we're now leading the world and hopefully others will follow. I mean, this bill is going to target energy and transportation and manufacturing and agriculture. It's going to help our farmers. Uh, you know, it's going to, uh, you know, uh, make huge gains in reducing emissions. It's going to create jobs. It's going to, it's, it's going to be, it's going to contribute to the health and well-being of people in this country. It's going to prevent premature deaths by reducing traditional pollution. Uh, and it's going to save consumers money and reduce energy costs. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but it's, it's, it is, this is a, a big deal. Uh, and so, you know, that we passed it um, is, is quite extraordinary because a few months ago, I didn't think we were going to be able to do it, but we did it. Um, and, um, and hopefully, uh, you know, this is just the beginning. What, one of the exciting things about the bill, both for the, the state bill that passed, as well as the feds, is this emphasis on offshore wind. And we in Massachusetts have just huge potential for offshore wind. Um, the Hampshire Gazette had an article yes yesterday, I think it was, about um, all the jobs that are opening up for offshore wind technicians. And the Massachusetts Maritime Academy is training folks in safety, how to go out into the ocean and get on top of these wind generators and do their work. It's really, really exciting. No, it is. And, you know, for a long time, the uh, opponents of doing anything on climate change have said, oh, this is going to be punitive. It's going to be awful. It's going to be, you know, all the, the reality is, um, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned offshore wind. I mean, we are we are we are doing something good for our planet. We're also creating countless jobs. Um, and, you know, I'm all for creating jobs. <laughs> I'm also for saving our planet when you can do both. That's a good thing. And we're even seeing kind of traditional fossil fuel industries now starting to understand that the future is not with them. 
and they're making investments, you know, in cleaner, greener energy. We want to we want to continue to in, in, in entice that kind of behavior. Uh, but uh, but look, we're running out of time, and if we didn't pass this bill, you know, I'm not sure whether we would be able to do anything to reverse. Uh, you know, climate change, and um, and I'm not sure, you know, when we'd ever get another chance like this. So, uh, you know, enough people stood up and did the right thing, and um, and again, it, it, and it's going to mean, you know, you know, we talked in the first segment about, you know, our farmers dealing with the impacts of climate change. Well, this is going to help them too. There's a big chunk of this that will go toward uh, assisting farmers in agriculture in this country, and yep. uh, you know, I'm I think it's a welcome development. You said enough people uh, stood up to make this pass, but it was enough Democrats. Not a single House or Senate Republican voted for the Inflation right. Reduction Act, even though, yeah. and this I find so shocking, so many of them represent districts that are just getting hammered by drought, by uh, by you know all sorts of weather-related craziness, uh, fires, too much rain. Uh, what do you think it would take? For Republicans to come across, come around to the reality of climate change. So here's my my view. I mean, I guess there are some who are just totally ignorant and you know actually believe their rhetoric that this is not an issue. I feel bad for them, and I hope they can get help. Uh, but for the vast majority of others on the Republican side who vote against these measures, it is because of the money, the money they get from the fossil fuel industry, the money they get from you know these special interests that, you know, that side with the polluters. Um, I mean, they, you know, we, we, we which, which, which leads to the question, you know, that we need to address how we fund campaign. We need to address how our political system works. There's too much money. There's too much money in the system. Um, and what has been the biggest obstacle to, to get anything done has been the money from the fossil fuel industry that's poured into people's campaigns. Republican campaigns overwhelmingly, some Democratic campaigns as well. And, you know, you start getting all this money, and then all of a sudden people get a little bit shaky when it comes to standing up and doing the right thing. So, uh, you know, we were able to overcome that. Um, and my hope is that more and more people will realize how important this is and how this is our future. Uh, and people power will overcome the money power. And then maybe in the process we can reform the way we, we fund political campaigns. I like that phrase, people power will overcome money power. That's a, that's a good one. We've been talking with Jim McGovern. Jim is the United States Congressman for the 2nd Congressional District here in Massachusetts. And Jim, you're always soliciting public comment for listeners who would like to get in touch with you, share their thoughts on what we talked about today or any legislation. How can they, how, how can they do that? How can they get in touch with you? Well, you know, I have an office in Northampton. Uh, they can get, they can call me there, or they can go on my uh, my page, jimmcgovern.com, or they can follow me on Twitter at Rep McGovern. Um, I have a Facebook page as well, um, and so uh, you know all that all that is uh, incredibly you know easy way to get a hold of me. Uh, my Northampton uh, phone number is four one three three four one eight seven hundred. If people have uh, want to get a hold of me that way, but. Uh, you know, you can text me or email me. All that information is on my webpage. And Jim McGovern is uh, running, albeit uh, uh, he, he's by far the favorite in this race. However, he could use your help. He is somebody who represents us, who cares about us. Um, and uh, I can show for him and say, please support McGovern's campaign for the uh, second district exactly we are not an unbiased group we are not here. we have so we have a representative have, who not only believes in science who actually believes in helping people yeah jim thank you so much for being on the show oh um, it was my thrill i hope to do it again soon and thank you for uh the topics that you're focusing on i really appreciate it great and stick around and we'll be right back This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Take out people who've lived with this for 100,000 years. Inject a billion burgers worth of beef. Grain eaters. Methane dispensers. 
For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Northampton residents are urging Mayor Gina Louise Shera not to sign a host community agreement with a dispensary planning to take over Pizza Factory in Florence. Residents were angry as they packed into the Florence Civic Center last night to fight Euphorium LLC for moving to the neighborhood. Some concerns include the number of children who walk past the proposed location at the corner of Main and Maple Streets. They also cited the proximity to mental health crisis and substance abuse treatment programs, as well as parking options for other businesses. If Shara signs the host community agreement, Euphorium will undergo a final state review process that takes three to four months. Dozens gathered outside Greenfield City Hall last night to protest the mayor's decision to reinstate police chief Robert Haig. Rachel Gordon, a Greenfield resident and lead organizer of yesterday's protest, criticized the decision to appeal the jury's verdict after a trial found the department guilty of racial discrimination. So she's just going to keep going back and dumping more taxpayer dollars on trying to get a different answer. Is that a good use of our taxpayer dollars? No! The Greenfield People's Budget Campaign organized the event and gathered signatures of supporters who want to see a complaint elevated to the state Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission, People's Budget member John McGee. The community has lost confidence in him. He should resign. And if he doesn't resign, then yes, we need a more full investigation of him by the mayor. The Greenfield City Council will discuss the issue again at their September 21st meeting. The Northampton Elks Lodge is hosting their 20th cruise night at 5.30 tonight to honor area first responders and the lives lost during September 11th attacks. The event will take place in the Elks parking lot at 17 Spring Street in Florence. After a good amount of sunshine this afternoon and evening, we will be mostly clear overnight with temps in the mid to upper 50s. Tomorrow is looking good with mostly sunny skies and temps in the upper 70s to right around 80. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. Hi, I'm Missy Tetro, Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. Have we got some exciting news for you. I'm Mortgage Originator Jessica Eau Claire. We're extending our offer to save up to $1,000 on your mortgage closing costs. And I'm Mortgage Originator Kimberly Gates. There's still time to get $750 closing credit plus another $250 when we pre-qualify you. Start your application now at bestlocalbank.com or come see us in person at one of our convenient locations. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Missy Tatro. Or me, Kimberly Gates. Or me, Jessica Eau Claire, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by November 30th, be a new first mortgage customer, or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $100,000 loan, subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender. Member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. There are farm fresh eggs just around the corner and beef across town. Local food is all around. It's a connection to your community, to the land and the people. There's a handy guide to the farm fresh food all around you, the local hero guide on the CISA website. You never know how close you are to something good for dinner tonight, something harvested just this morning. CISA's local hero guide, your guide to farm fresh food, on the CISA website, buylocalfood.org. Did you know that you can prevent domestic and sexual violence? You can say something. We all can say something. Together, we can do so much. Say Something is the domestic and sexual violence prevention program at Safe Passage. Join a prevention lab to build your skills and find opportunities to say something to prevent violence. Join us and help make your community safe and healthy for everyone. Get more information or sign up for a prevention lab at saysomethingnow.org. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back. It is time for Take 5 with Ruth Griggs. Hello, Ruth. Good afternoon, Buzz. Always a pleasure to see you. We are nearing the Northampton Jazz Festival. I've got some of my tickets. What do you have for us today? Well, uh, we are we are starting up uh, a few sessions on the Northampton Jazz Festival for the next few weeks, where we want to talk up the festival and to highlight um, some of the musicians that we're going to have coming to the festival. And uh, just as a reminder, the the Northampton Jazz Festival is coming back on Friday, September 30, with the Jazz Strut downtown at seven different breweries, bars, and restaurants, and in Pulaski Park. And then on Saturday, October 1, is Jazz Fest Day with free Ron jazz Carter. all over. Ron Carter uh, comes and to then, town. And then uh, in the evening at 7.30 at the Academy of Music, uh, Ron Carter and his uh, 
uh, quartet is coming to the academy. Uh, that's the only paid um, the only paid concert that we have. So, um, sort of in in wanting to talk a little more about the festival, we are really thrilled to have Ashley Pizzotti on the phone with us from New York City. How lucky we are. And Ashley is going to be singing um, with her trio at the Unitarian Society right there on Main Street at 3 o'clock on Saturday, uh, October 1. So, Ashley, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to be on our show today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Excellent. So, um, Ashley, I've been having fun doing some listening and um, digging a little more about you uh, in preparation for today, and I, I, first I just have to say, as a jazz vocalist myself, I am, I'm so impressed with the range of your ability with your voice. I mean, I listen to vocalese, I listen to scat, I listen to you singing with a big band, I listen to you doing all different kinds of things with your voice. Um, so kudos on that, and tell us a little bit about your journey um, being a jazz vocalist, I see you started when you were four years old. Thanks so much for listening. Um, yeah, so I did start um, very young. I, my parents will tell you that I've been singing basically my whole life. And when I was around four years old, because um, I would sing around the house all the time, my mom tried to put me in voice lessons, but there was an age limit. Um, like you could only start uh, taking lessons, I think, if you were nine years old. So my parents brought me in, and they were like, please, could you just hear her? And, you know, and they brought me in, and I sang, and then they made an exception, so I was able to start early. Um, and so then when I was, you know, I was sort of doing a lot of, you know, pop music, R&B, some Latin music, musical theater, and then when I was in high school, I was in, like, a rock band for a, a little while, um, but then I stumbled across jazz when I was in high school, uh, I went. I attended Miami Arts Charter School, and they put me in the jazz vocal program. And I had never really listened to jazz before. Um, but then I heard Ella Fitzgerald, and of course, I heard her scatting, and I was like, "What is this? This is so cool!" Um, and then I was accepted into the Grammy in the schools program, which was like a residency for um, jazz vocalists. And um, then I decided to sort of pursue it at, in university. And that's when I really started to take it serious. Uh, I attended the University of Miami, and I studied jazz there. And, um, yeah, I, I sort of stumbled across this whole jazz thing on accident. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly have taken to it, and it's taken to you. Um, so you, I, I see that you, you studied at Frost there in, in Miami, right? Yes, yes, I did. The Frost School of Music, which is it, it just, some amazing young musicians and singers have come out of uh, the Frost School. So I, I, that's just an incredible, incredible place to get your start in jazz. Um, so, so when you think about, uh, you mentioned Ella Fitzgerald. Are there are there other um, you know singers and musicians who really inspire you and who you do a lot of listening um, to to again to get the sound that you have today. Oh, of course. Uh, I know that when I was in university, one of my biggest influences was um, the vocal group uh, Lambert Hendricks and Ross. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I uh, loved John Hendricks. And, and when I was first learning how to improvise, uh, I listened to him a lot because he's such a masterful uh, improviser, um, as well as lyricist. Um, and, of course, I, I love, you know, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, Billie Holiday. Um, and then I, I like some lesser-known singers like June Christie, Anita O'Day doesn't get enough love. And lately I've really loved um, Dinah Washington and Carmen McRae. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And as far as instrumentalists go, Dexter Gordon is definitely like one of my number one favorite uh, uh -huh. Um yeah. And, you know, one of the first horn players I listened to was uh, Bird and Dizzy when I was, you know, first introduced to Bebop. I listen to them a lot. Um, I feel like it's a pretty, pretty, pretty wide range because I'm also influenced by you know non-jazz musicians since that was my first, my first um, introduction to music, I guess. And 
yeah, sort of a wide range of things. Well, but you see, that wide range is, is why you are so capable at doing so many different types of things with your voice. I mean, if you, if you love John Hendrickson, spent a lot of time studying John Hendricks, who was probably the, the vocalist master in the jazz world um, forever, oh. or certainly up until now, um, that's how you learn vocalese, I take it, is, is by listening to him and practicing? Um, yeah, well, with the vocalese, I listened to a lot of, you know, that group, because uh, they did a lot of that. Um, they would take, you know, instrumental solos and write lyrics to them. Annie Ross also um, wrote some vocalese herself. I know that um, the one she's famous for is Twisted. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, that vocalese. And then yeah. um, Jackie is another favorite of mine, too. That's the one that uh, I heard on YouTube, and... I think we may play a couple of clips of that um, during the break. It's real. It's it's remarkable. It's you really do an excellent job with that. Um, oh, thank you. Well, and also when you think about Dexter Gordon, I mean, he was so great with you know accompanying. Was it Julie London? The famous um, the famous album with Julie London, and um, you can get such inspiration for scat singing, right, from someone like Dexter Gordon. Well, I love Dexter because he's so playful with his with his improvising, and and he uses a lot of like quotes in his playing, which I think is just fits my personality, I guess. Um, I mean, he was just like such a he was such a great improviser, um, and his a lot of his language you hear in horn players today when you go to a jam session, you hear a lot of things Dexter was doing, and I really like to have that sort of foundation in in my language. So, so speaking of that, before we go to our first break in a couple of minutes, um, I know that you are going to be coming to the Northampton Jazz Festival on October 1, again, with Miki Yamanaka on piano and Jason Clotter on bass and TJ Reddick on drums, um, which seems to be uh, the trio that you've been uh, playing with and singing with quite frequently lately. Um, let's start talking, and then we'll maybe continue after the break. What is it about the way they support you um, that that you are particularly drawn to with those players? Well, the num- the biggest thing that I look for, you know, in in the musicians I hire is um, having good listening skills. I don't want to play with somebody who is just sort of like in their own world and, and focused. It. There have been times where I've been on stage and I'm looking at the drummer to cue something and he's like looking out somewhere else and not paying attention and he's not really listening to the rest of the group. Um, but these, these players are just such great listeners and they're there to serve the music and put the music first. There's no ego there and it's just such a joy to work with all of them. And and Mickey is she someone that is fairly new uh, to your trio? I I noticed newer posts about her. Um yeah, we just started working together recently, um, and she's she's fabulous. I I had seen her playing a lot at small jazz clubs, and I've always wanted to work with her because she's just such an awesome person. Um, so yeah, we just started working together recently. That's really cool. She she seems like a really great spirit that she can add to the music. Uh, oh, definitely. I've got the best seat in the house. I'm sitting in the studio and I'm listening to a conversation between the extremely talented Ruth Griggs and the unbelievable uh, vocalist Ashley Pizzotti. We're going to be lucky enough to have her coming to the Northampton Jazz Festival, I think, on October 1st. We're going to take a break just for a few minutes. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the afternoon buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, your message at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, your message at whmp.com, and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. At American National, what's important to you is important to us. Just like every horse is unique, so is our equine coverage. American National's equine owner's insurance is designed to address the inherent risks involved with owning horses. Flexible enough to provide property and liability coverage for operations of various sizes, yet can be tailored for your specific needs. We're right by your side. For more information, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. Learn Spanish, learn French, or German. Learn a language with the International Language Institute. Beginner, intermediate, and advanced conversation classes in person or online. ILI is a Massachusetts PDP provider. Plus, earn continuing ed units. Learn Spanish, French, German, Italian, Portuguese. 12-week part-time classes start September 19th. Sign up online. One of the world's top language schools is right here. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. A lot of mattress stores, all they talk about is price. Sale, 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 save, 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 blah, blah, blah. I get it. No one wants to pay a dollar more than you have to. But what do you really know about mattresses? Are you an expert? I'm not. And I have a furniture store. So I at least know a little. Hi. It's Robin from Talon Furniture. We mostly sell therapeutic mattresses at Talon Furniture. Not Tempur-Pedic, not trying to mislead you. Therapeutic. The best mattress value I've ever found. And believe me, I've looked around. Therapeutic mattresses are made in Brockton. I've walked the floor and it was reassuring because there's no toxicity, no off-gassing. Therapeutic mattresses are clean and made by fellow Red Sox fans. Play the sale, sale, sale game if you want. That's not for me. A therapeutic mattress from Talon Furniture is your best bet and best deal. Today, tomorrow, or whenever you decide to buy a new mattress. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back lucky enough to be able to eavesdrop on the conversation between Ruth Griggs and the incredibly talented Ashley Fizzotti. Yes, this has been uh, this has been a lovely conversation just in the past few minutes, and we I'm so excited we have more time to talk. Um, so, so Ashley, we were you were talking a little bit about um, studying, you know, John Hendrick's music and and um, Annie Ross's music, and that's that's vocalese. Um, can you explain to you know all of us what vocalese really is? Um, yeah, so vocalese is essentially. Uh, when you take an instrumental solo, usually it's an improvised solo, um, you know, from a saxophonist, trumpet player, whatever the instrumentation is. Their instru- in, in, improvised solo, you take that and then you would write lyrics over that over that solo. Um, so you're kind of using that solo as like the melody and sort of expanding upon the song in a way. But it's so fast. I mean, those those horn solos are... Like when you think, you know, when you think of birds like ornithology and anthropology, those just go by in a flash. So well, I mean, you... I, Ashley, I'm, I was just listening during the outro, what our listeners heard um, from Jackie, um, was you not only exhibiting your incredible voice and the range of your voice, but you're able to articulate. I'm a trial lawyer and a radio talk show host. I can't speak as clearly as, as you can, but you do it at twice the speed, and with all those beautiful sounds behind it. It's truly impressive. Thank you. Well, I do a lot of transcribing of instrumental solos, um, and I feel like that sort of helps when it comes to approaching vocalese, and especially for improvising, it's where you get your language from. But there's sometimes we just listen to a vocalist and we just, it's so pleasurable. But every once in a while you hear a vocalist that it's so impressive that your jaw drops and say, how do they do that? Well, how do you <laughs> do that is what I'm, my response is. Um, 
I say that, you know, there's no cutting corners. It's just a bunch of time and dedication to the craft and, and, uh, starting when you're four years old. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, 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 of course we are really excited to welcome you to Northampton in another few weeks on October one, Ashley is going to be singing with her trio at the Unitarian society at 3 PM. And it's, it's a, it's a concert you're not going to want to miss. Um, but Ashley, you have been playing and singing all over Manhattan for the past, like, since you moved there in 2019, it seems. Like, what's coming up? What are some of the favorite gigs that you've been doing lately? And what's coming up that if our listeners happen to be down there, they should they should uh, check you out? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been playing a lot at Birdland Jazz Club. Um, you know, performances with my own group and as well as with their big band. Um, I also play a bunch at Mesro, which is in the village. And coming up, I'm playing two shows at Dizzy's Jazz Club. Uh, one show is on the 11th, and it's going to be featuring the songs of Duke Ellington, and that mm. will feature the vocalist as well. And um, the other show on the on September 21st is going to be me with my own trio. And we're also featuring Vincent Herring, who is an amazing instrumentalist, um, someone that I look up to and admire a lot. So I'm, I'm so excited to get to perform with him. Oh, that's very impressive. He is an incredible influencer of so many musicians and singers. God, that's good for you. Um, you know, Ashley, I think that this may be a good time for us to play um, your your piece, um, but not for me, um, which I, I know we're taking from a, a Soapbox Gallery live performance in 2021. So if uh, we'll, we'll listen to that for a few minutes and then come back and, uh, and close it out, okay? Awesome. Sounds good. And I'll start. Emmett Cohen, don't you dare ever tell me he will care. I'm certain it's the final curtain. I never ever want to hear from any cheerful Pollyanna. Who tell you fate supplies are made That's all bananas They're writing songs of love, not for me A lucky star's abode, not for me With love to lead the way I found more clouds of gray Than any Russian play could guarantee I was a fool to fall and get that way Like a day, all that I can't dismiss The memory of his kiss, I guess he's not for me That is uh, Sean Mason on piano, I believe, Ashley, and Jason Clotter on bass and T.J. Reddick on drums. Um, 
That was, uh, I know that Sean's not going to be um, playing at the jazz festival, but that was, that was sweet. Actually, I, I think that recording was off my record, and that's Emmett Cohen on the piano and Bob Brie on the bass and uh, Kyle Poole on the drums. Oh, my gracious. Well, thank you for correcting us. I, now I recognize that lilt in that, in that solo. Uh, that's an Emmett Cohen you know, centerpiece. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. While we're here, Ashley, how, if people want to find out more about you, your music, order some music, how do they do that? Um, well, like everyone these days, I'm on the social media. <laughs> um, and luckily, nobody has my last name. So if you look up Ashley Pizzotti, you're definitely going to find me. You know, I'm, I, I, my music is available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, basically anywhere. And if anyone's interested and owns a CD player, um, I do sell physical signed copies on my website as well, which is just Ashley. <laughs> and it's uh, P-E-Z-Z-O-T-T-I. That The last name is, is important to spell right. And, and uh, I think it's Ashley. Yeah, and I think it's Ashley M. Pizzotti uh, is your Facebook handle because yeah, I was checking that out today. But P-E-Z-Z-O-T-T-I. Um, so that's... That's where you can find Ashley and her amazing trio. You're singing with incredible people, and we just are so excited to have you come to the Jazz Festival again. Uh, the Jazz Festival coming up. Uh, we are now in our 11th year, um, coming up on Friday, September 30th, with the Downtown Jazz Strut, which is really popular all throughout uh, town starting at Pulaski Park with the SciTech band coming back and uh, then through seven breweries, bars, and restaurants. Uh, and then, of course, on Saturday, Jazz Fest Day, jazz starting at 11 a.m. and running right through until 6.30 free all over uh, the area of Pulaski Park um, with Ashley Pizzotti, who we've just had a wonderful interview with um, performing at 3 p.m. at the Unitarian Society um, with her trio and then on to the um, one and literally the one and only Ron Carter um, and his his trio the Ron Carter Quartet at 7:30 at the Academy of Music and that's a ticketed event so any any final thoughts Ashley before we say good afternoon and thanks again to you I'm very excited to be a part of this festival, and and um, thank you so much for talking with me and, and for you know highlighting me, I suppose. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really can't wait, can't wait. And if anyone wants to say hi to me after the show, please do. I love meeting new people. That's great. You're an immensely talented musician, and we're so happy that you're coming, Ruth. You've done it again. Another great musician for to share with us, and uh, I. I have so much fun, and as you take five segments, I just sit back and listen to great music. Ashley, I can't wait to hear you live and in color. Okay, everybody, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will be back tomorrow, Friday, 4 o'clock. Join us then. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Is there going to be enough money for education and transportation in Massachusetts? It's time to pay attention to the Fair Share Amendment. So please join us when our guest is Max Page, president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, and the topic is the statewide vote upcoming on the Fair Share Amendment. That will be Friday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Imagine working hard for so many years and reaching your retirement only to find out there's an issue with your pension or 401k. Unfortunately, it's a problem too many Americans face. Live the New England Pension Assistance Project for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton Radio Group Station.